What's good, everybody, and welcome to an episode of the I'm Telling TIS podcast here with your hosts, yours truly, Jai Shields, here. This midweek program as we enter, or not enter, but as we are in currently the first full week of the month of August 2022, uh, Wednesday, August the 10th, depending on what time you're listening to this out there on the West Coast, and uh, Thursday, uh, uh, August the 11th, for the rest of you guys out there listening, nice to have you with us. We And boy, do we have a lot to do, a lot to talk about here on this program after yours truly, of course, what the hell else is new with this busy, chaotic life that I've been living in the summer that's been less than ideal. Uh, I did not have an episode for you guys um, on uh, over the weekend. Uh, once again, I know you probably guys get sick and tired of hearing it. And the inconsistency has uh, showed when it comes to the numbers, be- believe you me. Uh, but sincerest apologies once more. Uh, I appreciate you guys for for being patient with me and still sticking around. Those of you, the few out there, to still listen to this show. Um, so apologies for no show. Uh, the first few days in the month of August. Uh, last uh, we didn't have one last Wednesday, or didn't have one last. I don't think we had one last Wednesday, and I know for sure we did not have one on over the. Uh, weekend, but we are here, and thus, you know, there's a plus and a minus to not being on for so long. Last show we did was July the 27th, so we have not been on in well over a week. There's a plus and a minus to not do to to when it comes to not doing these shows, especially during this time of the year. The negative is that those of you that love to hear me on a week in week out basis and on a and or bi weekly basis don't get it don't get a chance to because I'm not on because I'm not uploading episodes as as frequent and as often as I would like. But the positive is that I basically don't have to you know find needles in the hay find needles in the haystack and. And, and search and find little avenues and find little nuggets for me to talk about to fill up at the bare minimum an hour of uh, programming. And since I've been away for over the last 10 days or so, give or take, probably a little bit more than that, going on two weeks at this point. Plenty of stuff for me to talk about. Deshaun Watson, uh, which I'll get get into first here at the top. Get, get on to, uh, excuse me, I will talk about my Baltimore Orioles and how they have just not skipped a beat since the Trey Mancini, Jorge Lopez trades went down. I gave you my reactions to the trades and my thoughts on uh, how my favorite baseball team has been playing over the last uh, over the last eight days or so. Get into some other other major league baseball stuff. The Yankees uh, kick Joey Gallo to the curb. They've lost seven of eight, and they can't run the bases uh, for 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 donkey dunk to to save their lives either. I'll get into that. The Padres finally started scoring some runs with Juan Soto on the roster. We'll get into them and the fact that they cannot beat the Dodgers at the fate of the universe depending on it. We'll get into that a little bit later on. Josh Hader screwing up. Uh, he's a part of the what was the Padre woes a few days ago. We'll get into that as well and and the effect on the Brewers getting rid of him. We'll touch on that a little bit later on in the program and we will also get into some NFL stuff regarding Debo Samuels Debo Samuel finally getting his contract uh back in the offensive lineman for the Jets out for the season with a fractured kneecap Roquan Smith and Kareem Hunt requesting a trade Smith of the uh of the Chicago Bears linebacker Kareem Hunt running back of course for the Cleveland Browns uh 49ers decided Trey Lance is the guy uh we'll I'll give my two cents on that and uh 
I don't know how my microphone cover came off, but and uh, and uh, and I will for the last time put to bed the Kyler Murray thing. Last time we discussed, we uh, we spent the last few episodes screaming out about Kyler Murray. We'll address it for the third time, hopefully the last, with the study clause taken out of his contract because Kyler Murray went to the podium uh, about a week or so, uh, longer than a week ago, and kicked and screamed and basically did nothing but deflect instead of taking responsibility. I'll get into that a little bit later on. And yes, I know. Uh, Vince Scully, Bill Russell passed passed away. I will get into I will get into that. I will get into that in the next episode. Uh, Serena announcing her soon son retirement. I'll get into that as well. And the Kevin Durant saga continues with the Brooklyn Nets. So all so those three. Well, I mean two. I mean they had two iconic lives and two iconic careers. So I guess you could say those four topics we will address in the next episode. But there's so much stuff. Out, you know, so much stuff that came before the unfortunate uh, passing of Russell, Scully, Serena announcing retirement, and Kevin Durant. As if I haven't spent enough time, essentially since uh, since April, screaming and yelling about the Nets. Uh, so we will save them for a little bit later on in the program schedule. This will be a uh, this will be a this will be a fifty fifty football because it's August and training camp uh, has of course begun. We've already played one preseason game, the Hall of Fame game that was last Thursday. If you cared, uh, the preseason starts for real this up uh, uh, Thursday through the weekend for all the other teams. Uh, preseason 2022 kicks off, uh, and a month from, and a month from, uh, Tuesday is, um, I believe I have that right, September 9th, a month from Tuesday will be the, uh, will be the, uh, we're less than a month away from the, uh, from the kickoff game between, no, it's the 8th, so a month ago, so less than a month ago on, uh, Monday, we will have the, we will have the NFL kickoff game between the Bills and the, uh, LA Rams to begin the 2022 NFL regular season. Where we will begin is with Deshaun Watson and this whole, uh, fiasco regarding to him. As it was announced by an independent arbiter, Judge uh, Robinson, I believe, uh, I believe is the name, uh, handed down, ha- announced uh, over a week ago that Deshaun Watson, in their eyes, in their own independent, in their own independent eyes, was worthy of getting a six-game uh, suspension. Now, what I wanted to do. Now, what I wanted to do, you know, and it's funny, you know, when you doing this for as long as I have, you know, for I, not to make myself out to be, uh, out to be a Chris Mad Dog Russo, of course, but, uh, but, uh, but, but if, but one thing that I've, that I've, Sue L. Robinson is her name. If there's one thing that I've learned as we approach the upcoming four year anniversary of me doing the show, which is hard to believe. Uh, one thing that I've, that I've taken notice that I have, uh, that I've taken notice of and that I've kind of learned along the way is not to be, is the, depending on the situation and depending on the timeline, not to be so trigger happy with, with, with responding, with responding, getting on here, screaming and yelling 
and 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 losing and losing my mind over things. Sometimes what you'll know, sometimes what you, what you will, which hopefully you have noticed, is that I more likely than not will allow a moment, will allow a news story, I will allow it to to make its way out and and spread throughout the ether for a good few, for a good few days at minimum before I get on here and I and I give you my full 100% unsolicited uh opinion or take or or takeaways on a certain event. And I knew it when I read it. When I first read it, I saw six games. I was like, "Man, what are you kidding me? What are you crazy? This is an absolute disgrace." And then it and then it came to me Goodell has the final say. It, it, I was like, wait, this is a disgrace. How in the world does this guy, after all this, still get the six games? This is a joke, blah, 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 blah. But then it hit me. The NFL's got three days to appeal. If Roger Goodell has an ounce of common sense and social and, and self-awareness within his body, he, he's had, he essentially has no choice but to appeal this. Thus, thus he did. Thus, he and the National Football League did appeal it. And it does sound like, as my football is is uh, struggling on the top of my uh, Cincinnati Bengals uh, helmet helmet case right now. By the way, those new how about those new helmets uh, for my uh, Cincinnati Bengals the all the all white helmets with the black with the uh, with the with the black with the uh, with the black stripes with the white tiger uh, alternate look. I mean, boy, my my goodness, my goodness gracious. What a pretty sight that's going to be. But anyway, I digress. Uh, you, I have heard Roger Goodell uh, come out and uh, and say uh, through the through the grapevines. Hey, I even read you a quote. Uh, I read you a quote. Um, to quote, this is from Goodell, uh, courtesy ESPN.com. We've seen evidence. We've seen we we've, we've seen the evidence. She was very clear. She, she, me, meaning the uh, Sue L. Robinson, the uh, the disciplinary off the uh, disciplinary officer. Uh, she reinforced the evidence. The Goodell said, "Quote: There were multiple violations that were egregious, and it was predatory behavior." And you have heard throughout the grapevines, with that quote among other things, that Roger Goodell, that Roger Goodell. Uh, feels that he has no choice but to ban Deshaun Watson for a full season. Said the evidence called. Said, uh, said basically said that Deshaun get ready. Your ass is going to get seated for a full year as he as he very well should. Um, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to break down the language as far as what the uh, as far as what the judge said. You know whether or not. Um, you know, you know, you know, on, uh, you know, it was egregious. It was nasty. It was, you know, what good, but it wasn't necessarily violent. But I'm not, I'm not going to get into semantics. I mean, you do not necessarily, you know, you don't have to be Trevor Bauer to cause, uh, to cause sexual or psychological and or physical pain, uh, to a woman, you know, during, when you're having a, a sexual, when you're having a sexual encounter with someone that, that, uh, that didn't, that didn't ask for it, that's against their consent. You don't have to, you know, beat, beat her brains in or be, or be violent or do, you know, Trevor Bauer again for, for perfect example. You don't have to be that to cause, the cause, the cause someone pain, you know, you, 
I'm not going to get into the specifics, but you guys up out there listening that are that are that are adults that are mature enough. I mean, you you guys you guys know where I'm getting that you can put two and two together. Uh, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into that and get into the wordplay. The bottom line is, you, you when you when you read the New York Times and again, 66 women, and he had to settle and he had to settle uh, half, if not I believe all of his uh, all of his cases, which 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 in and of itself is admitting is admitting some form of guilt. I I cannot under any circumstances listen to. Uh, I, I cannot under any circumstances, you know, uh, wave the pom-poms or beat the drum for Deshaun Watson's innocence. He, he settled the law. He settled the majority of the majority of, of the lawsuits. He settled he settled the majority of the lawsuits, which in and of itself means that you were culpable, that you weren't, that you weren't perfect, that that you weren't one hundred and ten percent innocent in whatever allegation someone's holding against you, because if because if because if you swear up and down that you're innocent, then here's what you do: you fight every single last one of those lawsuits tooth and nail like your life de- depends on it to fight to clear your name. And Deshaun Watson did not do that. He did that to a certain point, and then somebody within the circle said, uh, "Hey, Deshaun, you got all these cases out there. You know, if it walks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck and, and swims and walks like a duck, uh, it, it ain't a damn mongoose. So you're better off, you know, settling as many cases as you possibly can." That's thus, of course, is what he did. Uh, and on t- and he's and this is also we're also forgetting the fact that he was very, very, very fortunate that the criminal cases were were uh, you know that nothing went that nothing went any further with the criminal cases. These are this is all all of this now for the majority of that's been in the news. It's all civil lawsuits. Won money out of Watson. He's very fortunate that that he's not on that he's not on trial for uh, rape and assault and you know in jeopardy of going to jail. Let's not forget that either. But Deshaun Watt, but uh, Goodell makes this, uh, gave all indications that he's going to suspend Watson. When that's going to be, I have no idea. But hopefully, it's sooner rather than later. It's look it all signs point towards Deshaun Watson possibly playing in a preseason game coming up this weekend, uh, which which he would need because he hasn't played in over a year. And and at the bare minimum, he's going to miss the first six weeks of the season, which shouldn't be the bare minimum. The bare minimum should be he misses the entire 2022 season and then come back and talk to me after the fact. But but you know, as of right now, with six games, even then, you know, six weeks of the NFL season. I mean, you go ahead and you count them. That's that's September. That's September 11th. I'm not going to go through the uh, the uh, the Browns games to waste your time, but just to count the weeks of the season in general. September 11th, 18th, 25th. That's uh, that's three right there. October 2nd, 9th, 16th. He comes back October 23rd, and uh, and let me see when Cleveland's. By is let me see. By the way, uh, Mad Dog, if you are out there listening, he loves to flex the fact that he and Mike Florio are the only ones that have the, the 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 uh, the the uh, the record and facts and figures book. But I tell this man every single year that just because he has the physical copy doesn't necessarily make him uh, make some uh, make some you know uh, a. Uh, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Exclusive doesn't make him an exclusive commodity. Uh, he is an exclusive commodity among other reasons, but him having the effects and the figures books, not one of them where I can go to my handy dandy iPad and uh, I go to my handy dandy iPad and pull up the entire facts and figures book in PDF form that's already downloaded uh, on my iPad, uh, getting with the times, uh, Mad Dog Russo. Uh, and Cleveland's bye week is at week is week nine, so weeks weeks one through six, week seven that's the weekend of Sunday October twenty third. His first game back, going off of the current suspension, which I do not. And Goodell appealing it, so we practically know at this point it's not going to stand. But for the sake of conversation now, his first game back would be Sunday, October 23rd, when the Ravens go here to Baltimore and play the Ravens. And then week eight would be... uh, Week eight would be Monday night in Cleveland, his first theoretically quote unquote for the sake of conversation, his first home his first regular season home game as a Brown when my Bengals come to town on Halloween night. And then after that they have a bye week. But we all know the six games aren't gonna stand nor should they stand. He at the at the bare minimum bare minimum and I'm rough on this. It's about time that the National Football League instead of pontificating with 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 with, with the slogans and the commercials and the ad reads uh, enough. As I say all the time, talk is cheap. Where are your actions? Actions speak louder than words. If the NFL wants to go out there and show us that they're about X, Y, and Z, then I need to not only hear it with your words and with the lip service, also need to see it practice out i need to see some action some duty carried out behind those words and if the nfl wants you know we want more women in the sport more female referees more female coaches more females uh running organizations in the front offices more females on television uh talk talking about analyzing broadcasting football they they want they want as many females with they want they want and i'm not and rightfully so I'm all for it. If you know, uh, nothing makes me happier than seeing the game of football grow within the grow with grow uh, amongst amongst women. I I mean, uh, I I don't know about you, but between you and me, it's a big ter- it's a big it's a it's not a it's not a it's not an end all be all. It it's not a uh, what was that word called a um a deal breaker. But it's a little bit of a turnoff for yours truly if I if I run into an attractive woman and, and or the, you know that I that I would like to get to know a little, little bit better and I mention something about football or sports or any other and they have no clue. So if any and not just for that reason, also you, within sports in general, you want to be able to to grow and diverse your fan base, you know. And the men have been fans of, of football and the NFL for for, for years. They want to diverse and diverse and make sure that women are involved. Thousand percent, no problem with it whatsoever. I'm all for it. Women coaches, referees, front off front members in front office, team presidents, GMs, uh, working on television, all for it. But at the same time, I don't I don't want to see a whole lot a bunch of commercials and then on the back end see. People like Deshaun Watson get canned six, eight games. 
for for act for act for for being a sexual menace getting massages left and right because he's so damn horny he can't keep his dick in his pants excuse my french again you really want to show me teeth do something about it send a message okay we've mentioned this time and time again calvin ridley is going to get sat out and is is going to have to set out an entire season for gambling on for gambling NFL games and in his little online gambling parlay while he was away from the team with the mental health issues last year while the NFL is in bed in bed with primarily DraftKings and Caesar Sportsbook in bed with them. They got sponsorships with both. Fan Fan Duel, I don't believe they do. But I know for a fact Caesar Sportsbooks and DraftKings, they're in bed with them. In bed with them. They've embraced the gambling. You go watch. You go watch. Uh, you know the NFL Network or ESPN in the week or days leading up or hours leading up to a game. You you never saw. You didn't see this ten years ago. You see it now. You see the line, the over under, uh, the over under total number for the points, the the point spread. In bed with it, and they gave Calvin Ridley an entire season's worth. Deshaun Watson, who, unlike Calvin Ridley, didn't embarrass anybody other than himself, didn't harass anybody else, embarrass anybody else, or cause any physical, sexual, or psychological trauma to other human beings. All Calvin Ridley did was just was break a simple rule. While in Deshaun Watson's case, he should hit his knees every single night thanking the good Lord above that he doesn't have to spend time in prison or doesn't have to go on on trial to avoid himself from going to avoid going to prison. The 66 women and the dozens and dozens and dozens of lawsuits and the exposés with the Times and Sports Illustrated. Come on. Come on. You you, you got to send a message. He is a quarterback in the National Football League. Quarterback. He's supposed to be the leader of the team. The guy that everybody, that all 52 players within that locker room look up to for leadership. Not just leader of the offense. Not just an extension of the head coach and the offensive coordinator on the field when the offense has the ball. Leader of the team. Getting paid good money. Guaranteed. Which is and the way that contract went down is is and the fact that, that 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 trade was allowed to go down and the and the extension that he was given back in uh, back in mid March is another disgrace that we screamed and yelled about for centuries. But come on, you got to send a message. You got to send a message. You can you can I'm not worried about guilty innocent. He is a quarterback in the National Football League that had his name in the news in, in receiving negative attention, bad publicity, because there are 
dozens of women out there that think and have evidence to to tell about it that Deshaun Watson is at at putting it by putting it lightly is 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 is, is a creep is is a horny creep and that's putting it nicely Get off your ass, Roger, and suspend him. I want him gone the full 2022 season at bare minimum. The fact that it took you this damn long to find a resolve and we're less than a few days away from him playing a preseason game, for God's sakes, is beyond incomprehensible at this point. You see, you and your people up in your office did not, in your NFL offices did nothing but sit on your ass for hours, twiddling your thumbs, doing God knows what, when you should have been making sure, you know, when there was nothing going on before training camps, you should have made sure that Deshaun, that Deshaun Watson was already taken care of. He he sat an entire season, had plenty of time to figure out what the hell he was going to do with them before the, before the Texans made up their mind whether or not to trade them. He got traded, got the contract, still nothing, and we're still spinning our wheels with this thing, at least up until the the last month. He needs to, I'm as serious as cancer on this. He better not play a single down this season. The disgusting, heinous, just creepy ass things that, that that he did and the and the accusations and all the women that come crying their eyeballs out to Brian Gumble on HBO and really this this is how you, this is how you want to live your life Deshaun really Cleveland Browns this this is who you want taking you out of the abyss of hell that you've been in for for the last 35 years this is the guy you want really really You guys have gone years without going to a Super Bowl, let alone winning it. If you have to go a few more years to make sure that you don't employ a creep, an absolute freak show, headache, sideshow, distraction, that is Deshaun Watson, you know what? You'll live. If, you, if you've made it, what, 50... Six seasons without a Super Bowl appearance, it won't kill you to go and it won't kill you to, to make it 59 or 60. Just getting started. My thoughts on the Orioles. Yeah, I'm telling you this podcast.
Welcome back to the Amateliki TIS podcast. Switching gears now to baseball. And uh, your Baltimore Orioles, our Baltimore Orioles, the Baltimore Orioles. The 2022 Baltimore Orioles are something to behold, man. I tell you, they are an absolutely unbelievable, entertaining, tough, scrappy, feisty, uh, just whatever. I mean, you run out of adjectives. You you run you run out of adjectives to describe this team because they are they because they are just they they're they're unbelievable. I mean, and forget the fact forget the, the just the the sports aspect of it, right? Just for sheer just out of sheer entertainment, they are worth watching. If you get slash understand the sport of baseball and you just want to watch it and you don't have like a favorite team or anything or you you don't be, just sit down for three, three and a half hours a night and if you can, watch the Baltimore Orioles play. I guarantee you nine times out of ten when the game is over, you'll be left satisfied, and you and you won't regret regret you did, because every single time you think this team stinks, you think this team is down for the count, you think this team has no chance in the hell of winning, you think this team is just smoking mirrors that that it's a fluke, it's a mirage, you're not really that good. They're they're a product of 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 luck and a bad schedule. Any single time you count the Orioles out and come up with a yeah but reason for why they're playing good baseball, they they shock they shock you, and they shock you and they top off the and, and and they continuously top their performance every single time they go. I mean, honestly, God, it's it's almost as if it's like you're watching. You're watching a you're watching Beyonce, Michael Jackson, any of those top singers that that know how to perform. I'm not talking, you know, great singing and and the, I'm not I'm not talking about Billy Joel sitting. I'm not talking about uh, Billy Joel Joel sitting at a piano for for three hours singing the piano man. You know, sitting uh, stationary. I'm talking about the, the those are those music artists that that get up, grab the microphone, they dance, they dance, they look, they dance their hearts out. They 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 sing their they sing their lungs out. They maybe play can play an instrument. Any you 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 guys the 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 Timberlakes back in his day, Beyonce, Bruno Mars, Michael Jackson, those guys. Where not only do you go to watch them sing and enjoy their great music, you also go and see them because you don't because you're not going to believe what they're going to do next on stage. They're going to amaze you. They're going to entertain you. They're going. They're going to. They're going. You're going to get your bang for your buck to go watch them to go watch them perform. That is exactly how I how I have felt essentially since mid May watching this Orioles team play. 
every single time you sit back and you watch a game, you either go to a game or you sit back home and you watch it, you feel like you're going to be in for a show. You feel like that you are going to that you are going to get your money's worth, that you're going to be entertained every single time. Well, not every single time, but it damn near feels like every single time. You're going you're gonna to watch a game. You're going to sit back. You're going to relax. You're going to put your feet up, and, 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 and you're going to be, your jaw is either going to be on the floor. You're going to be hyped. You're going to be amazed. You're going to be saying, what the hell is that? What the hell are you doing out of anger and out of joy? It, it, it is a the experience of watching this team play all season long up until this point has been has been something for the ages the 2012 team was like this it was and there were moments as you got later and later into the season where you're anticipating the other shoe to drop, but it doesn't. Instead, everything that went wrong for you in years past, all of a sudden go right, and it's like you can't lose a baseball game if you tried to. You, you're winning games you have no business winning. I remember there was a roach that the Orioles took 10 years ago out in Seattle. They had like a ridiculous extra inning game against Seattle that, that went to the wee hours of the morning that they won an extra innings that they won. They The Orioles in that season, I believe, had like a ridiculous record of like 15. I'll look it, I'll look it up just to uh, just to clarify. But they, they, that Orioles team had like a ridiculous record. They were like 12, they were like 14-1 and one in extra inning games this season. Like they had, they literally with a negative run differential. They had the, they had one of the best records, and and this and this is extra innings with no runner on second base. Like 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 which has helped, not like, but which has helped this year's team a whole bunch. When they're in their walk off wins of the non uh, home run of the non walk off home run var- uh, variety. The the runner on second base has benefited this team. 2012 team 10 years ago didn't have that. They, let me see. They went, I saw, so I got to listen to this. 16 and 0 in extra inning games. 16 and 0 in regular, they went 16 and 2 in regulars in extra inning games 10 years ago. 29 and 9 in one run games. 29 and 9. This team, I don't know what their record is in one run games. I don't know what their record is in extra inning games outside of the fact that it's plus 500. You know, you do the math, they've lost what they've they've played maybe one or two extra inning they may have lost maybe one or two extra inning games this season. That's off the top. That's just off the top of my head. They haven't been off the top of my head. They've only been walked off a handful of times. I think three times, and I don't think any of them were extra inning. Maybe one of them were. I think they've been walked off three times. This is without looking at. It. This is off the top of my head. They've been walked off three times. Once to the Yankees, and then back to back against Minnesota on July first uh, and second. 
and July 1st and 2nd, I believe, were nine-inning games. I'm a double-check, but I believe those were regular nine-inning games. I believe I am almost certain that that Yankee game I'm referring to was an extra-inning game. July 1st, that game went nine innings, and July the 2nd, that game went nine innings. And a Yankee game I'm thinking of is... Yep, May 24th. That was an 11. So they've only lost one extra inning game this season, I believe. They've only lost one. But they, I mean, if if kicking ass and taking names were a team, the 2022 Baltimore Orioles would be hit. They just don't quit. They don't quit. They don't give up. They don't throw in the towel. They don't say, well, now, unless unless it's unforeseen, unless it's a big, you know, they're down, they're not, you know, they're down eight to two in the bottom of the seventh or the bottom of the eighth inning and they let a huge, and they give up a huge late inning rally. That's one thing. But you never, th- if the deficit's four runs or less, you may, if, if four runs or less, maybe even five, depending on who they're playing, for if the deficit's four runs or less, you, you you are almost always guaranteed that the Orioles, at the bare minimum, are going to make it a one-run game. They're going to put themselves in a situation. They're going to put themselves in a situation where they have an opportunity to tie the game or take the lead and or win it late late in the ball game. They always put themselves in that position. By hook or by crook, it doesn't matter if if they can't hit the way out of a paper bag for innings one through six, they're going to find a way. It doesn't matter if their starting pitching stinks, their starting pitching can't get out of the second inning, the third inning, the fourth inning, barely make it out of the fifth inning, they, they somehow find a way. It doesn't matter if the starting pitcher, if the starting pitching is great and a bullpen vomits on itself, somehow sway it finds a way to, bet the, to, uh, to bail them out. For a perfect example, I referred to you to Tuesday night's game. Tuesday night's game. Tuesday night's game against the Toronto against the Toronto Blue Jays. What does this team do? They come out there. They score. They scored first in the two in the two games that they played against Toronto. The first trip Toronto's had in the Camden Yards all season long. Bottom of the first inning, they put they put they put up two. Uh, they they put up two runs in the bottom of the, uh, the bottom of the second inning. They give up a home run top of the top top of the second. Get that run right back with a run in the third. Scoreless in runs four through in runs or excuse me innings four through five. Uh, and then of course uh, and then of course Kyle Bradish struggles in the fifth inning. Goes five in the third. Can't get out of the fifth inning as he starts to lose his control a little bit. Brian Baker comes in, walks the ballpark um, among other things, and put and places an Ill, places a ill-timed, ill-advised, poorly thrown pitch. Uh, to the bat, uh, to the bat of Bo Bichette, who hits a uh, who hits a three run home run to give Toronto a five three lead. So you had so the bats scored early and often, scored in the first inning, jumped right on him right from the op- right from the opening inning, starting pitching for uh, starting pitching for um, for Baltimore was solid up until the fifth inning. 
but solid for the majority of the game. Bullpen comes in, Baker vomits on himself, throwing a little bit of a rain delay. The team falls flat. The team falls flat on its face in the sixth inning, and then fall, excuse me, they fall flat on their face in the sixth inning. Get one in the set, get one in the seventh with a Ryan with a Ryan Mountcastle base hit, and then lo and behold, Rugnet Odor, after he had a base running gaffed on the bases where he ran into an out. After the fact that Rugnet Odor was just, he simply was just all over the place in a game. I mean, it was the literal, I mean, you, 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 you're going to look back if you're an Orioles fan. You're going to look back at this game five, ten years from now and, and entitle it the Rugnet Odor game. You know why? Because listen to, the, listen to this sequence of events that happened for Rugnet Odor in this game. Let me see if I can... Uh, let me see if I can hurry it up and pull it up here for you. Uh, let me see, 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 let me see. Throwing error in the sixth, which set up the Bobachette three-run home run to give Toronto the lead. Rudy Nador had a throwing error in the sixth in the sixth to set up the Bobachette home to set up the Bobachette home run. Hits a two-run and then proceeds hit a two-run home run in the eighth. Go ahead, two-run home run in the eighth inning. And oh, by the way, throw in getting thrown out, throwing thrown out on the bases earlier in the game too. So he got thrown out on the bases, which was which absolutely killed killed a rally. Then in hindsight, and I and I knew it right then and that time when I saw it live while I was running on the treadmill. I knew right then and there that if the Orioles weren't going to score or weren't going to, since he shut down the rest of the Toronto Blue Jay bats, that that base running mistake by Ador was going to come back to bite him in the ass. Lo and behold, the base running mistake and then the throwing error in the sixth inning. Next, if you know, Bobachet five three Blue Jays, and then what happens? He comes up to the he comes up to the plate in the eighth inning after Austin Hayes, I believe, he drew a walk. I, I let me go back to the play by play sheet, uh, and after Austin Hayes drew a walk, uh, no, he didn't draw a walk. He singled. After he had a leadoff single in the bot in the bottom of the eighth inning, Odor steps up to the plate, and it's funny, you know. And and I've said this throughout, and I've said it throughout this segment. The, this little theme that you're getting with this team is that the first of all, the overall theme is for those of you that aren't Orioles fans, the theme is to expect the unexpected, to expect the unexpected, and for somebody that's probably not seen at the most. Maybe nine to ten Oriole games this season. Out of that, you know, for whatever the reason, out of all the games that they've played this season, I haven't seen about nine or ten of them. And every single time I watch them, I see and experience something new. And in the early part of this, I was floored. I was shocked. I was like, "Holy crap! What am I watching? This team's unbelievable." The back to back. Knights with the walk-off home runs against the Yankees and the Rays. Two, they take two out of three from the Rays and two and the two wins are walk-offs. They walk off the Rangers twice in a twice in a sweep. Rugnado Dor, you know, errors all over the place when he when he almost cost the Rangers the game in the uh, in the top of the ninth inning on uh, July the fifth, I believe. He do, he essentially 
had an encore of what he did on uh, on Tuesday night, that night on July the 5th against Texas, throwing a kick in the ball all over the place. And then proceeds to come up with the Orioles down to the final out. Hits a game-tying home run to knock the game up at nine apiece, I believe. My memory serves me correct. So it's like you're always expecting something new. But something told me after Hayes got the leadoff single and uh, after Hayes got the leadoff single and Odor was coming up, it was coming up to the plate, I knew it right then and there at the time. If somebody was watching again with me, I'd call him to have to have, to have him vouch for me as God be my witness. I literally, I I cracked the smile and I chuckled. I didn't. I was watching the game on by myself in the kitchen, but I cracked the smile and I chuckled because I said to my, I didn't want to say it out loud, to, you know, to necessarily to jinx it, and for whatever reason. You know, for, for whatever the reason, I didn't say it out loud, but I did say, I said to myself, he's going to come up and hit, and hit a home run and tie this game up, it, it, tie this game up, isn't he? Take first pitch, 0-1, second pitch of the at-bat, lo and behold, the, I mean, the, the swing, the, the, the way he looked at it, the bat drop, it was, I was like, and I, I and if you follow me on Twitter, which you should, by the way, at the J Shield, I even tweeted. I even I didn't you know Santa I I didn't even go crazy. My first initial tweet, the the knee jerk reaction that I had on my Twitter account when Odor hit that home run Tuesday night was, of course he did. Period. Because because of course he did. That has been rooting at Odor this entire season. There are moments where he comes across as one of the team's most valuable players on the roster, where his veteran leadership with this with this young team is is critical and is necessary in a veteran presence he has in a locker room and the clutch bat that he has, whether it be the tying home run against Texas, the tying home run against Toronto Tuesday night, the walk-off home run against Tampa back in mid-May, you name it. The clutch, the clutch uh, RBI single he had against the Yankees on Easter Sunday when the Orioles bats couldn't, you know, when the Orioles couldn't hit the broadside of a barn back in April. Well, you name it. You name it. And then on the flip side, he's kicking a ball over the infield, can't field a ground ball, can't throw the ball accurately to first base. Tuesday night, he's running the outs on a baseball. It's the yin and the yang. It's 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 the opposite ends of the spectrum with Rugnet Odor. And what I saw, and what those of you that watched the game that stayed up till about a quarter to midnight with the with the seventy eight minute randelay, with all of you out there that saw the game between Toronto and the Orioles on Tuesday night, that my friends, otherwise known as the Rugnet Odor experience. But every single time you think this team is down for the count and out of it, they they do they they pull the old you guys have seen it the old usher watch this meme that do 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 watch this that that that's what they do they are if 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 that usher watch this NPR table concert meme was a baseball team it would be the Baltimore Orioles after the sixth seventh inning. That's just who they are. This team's got guts. I, I was just telling somebody earlier today, the Orioles on paper 
top to bottom do not have a, even if they do make the playoffs and somehow find a way to win 88 to to 88 to 92, 93, 93 games. If they, even if they go 92 and 70, they're not a championship baseball team unless some, unless a, a miracle sent by the Lord himself happens or something unforeseen. They're, they're not winning the World Series. I believe they're not winning the World Series, even if they do win 92 games. At least on paper, they're not. This isn't a World Series roster by any stretch of the imagination from top to bottom on paper comparing rosters. Roster-wise, would you rather have the Astros or the Astros or the Orioles? Trey Mancini being on both of them make a damn difference, but, but, you get, but you see what I'm getting at. Yankees or Orioles? Roster-wise, you'd rather take the Yankees. Just on sheer, the players that are on the roster and sheer talent, you would take the Yankees. You would take Aaron Judge over over taking Anthony Santander. I like Anthony Santander. He plays for my team. I'm a fan. But Aaron Judge damn near has a hundred has a hundred damn near has a hundred RBIs and is going to break Roger Maris's single season home run record. But you but it, it, it it's just something remarkable with this team. They again. They're not maybe that may not be a championship team on paper, but what they have that quite frankly, a lot of teams that we think and are predicting to be a championship team do not. Padres talking to you. Yankees as of late, I'm talking to you. You know what they don't have that the Orioles do? A championship team. Mentality. The Orioles, this Orioles team, thinks and believes that they can beat anybody in the league. They don't care about payroll, comparative payroll. They don't care about ownership. They don't care who's on your team, who's making the most money, who's an all-star, who's not an all-star. They could care less. It is With them, it is my best against your best. They play every game like it's Game 7 of the World Series. And I'm not ex- exercising in hyperbole when I say they play for the most part. I, I, you can probably go throughout their game, throughout their schedule and throughout their season to find a couple games where they just flat out just didn't show up. But more times than not, seven out of ten times, they play every game from mid-May on. They've played every game like it, like like it's their last. And that is something that, and listen, I've been hard on him, and I've been on him, and I've been giving him a hard time like like white on rice. I, I've been critical of him. I, I, I've given him a hard time. But how this team has played this season is a... Pinpoint crystal clear reflection of the managing job 
that Brandon Hyde has done with this ball club. I gotta say it. I gotta be honest, be truthful, be transparent. The job that he's done with this baseball team has been absolutely sensational. From managing what was once a taxed bullpen to fumbling around with the starting pitching rotation, losing John Means early in the season, to having Trayman dealing with the distraction at least from the month from the from early July up until when he got traded uh, early last week. Of the distraction of the Trey Mancini trade talks, and then Trey Mancini finally getting, uh, fi- not saying finally getting as if it's a good thing, but finally getting traded and leaving the team. I mean, the and then, and then of course, and then the division he, and then the division that he plays in, best division in baseball, and also the hardest. All right. Playing the Yankees, who have had a historical regular season. The Blue Jays. The Rays, that are somehow keeping their heads above water when their roster's been injured to hell and back. The Red Sox, when they were up. Hell of a season. And the job that he's done has not been easy under any stretches of the imagination. And the job that he's done with this team to put themselves in a position where heading into their makeup game against Boston on Thursday night to have them six games under 500 in third place, not last, not fourth, third place in the AL East by two games. They're behind the Toronto Blue Jays in for second place in AL East by two games. For them to be two games out of second place, six games above 500, with a plus eight run differential, 33 and 21 at home, having won seven out of the last 10 games, and right now currently holding the third and final wild card spot in the sixth seed in the American League playoff picture. Is for what he's had to for what he had to go what he has had to go through in the past and what he's had to go through this season. Throw in the Mancini trade. Throw in the Jorge Lopez trade. Throw in the John Means Tommy John. Deserves tremendous credit. And I'll be quite honest with you, folks. If the Orioles make the playoffs, it shouldn't even be up for debate. Up for debate. We talk about the American League MVP race between Judge and Otani. Same scenario how if Judge breaks Maris' home run record, he should win it in a landslide, not even be debatable. Well, if the Orioles hold on and somehow ride this miracle season out for for the next... Two months essentially, whether they get the sixth seed, the fifth, or the fourth, they des- they deserve. He deserves Brandon Hyde. After all he's gone through, 
hearing people like me scream and yell yell to the heavens about how much of an incompetent manager he is having to manage in the shadow of Buck Showalter and guys like me, you know, praying and wishing that Buck walked through that door and for the job that he's put together. Not even an issue. Orioles make the playoffs. He's your American League Manager of the Year. And it ain't even that close. I don't want to hear Mariner fans about what about Scott Service. Hey, 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 Mariner fans. All right. You got you you guys won over you guys won about ninety games, a little more than that. You guys went ninety and seventy two, I believe. If not, you won a little bit more than ninety games. Congratulations. You won ninety you won ninety plus games. Ninety games. Came within an eyelash of making the postseason last year. Okay, everyone expected you guys to make the playoffs. You guys finally just decided in the second, you know, post the All Star break, or excuse me, in the in the weeks leading up to the All Star break, to wake the hell up, realize your potential, and and and, li- and finally decided to start living up the expectations. See, so, you, you know, in my pa- my parents, you know, my my parents, and you know, my dad especially, you expect me to. We say this to me all the time as a kid. What you expect me to reward you for something that you're supposed to do? You hear, you hear it all the. If you, you know, depending on who you were around growing up as a kid, you heard it all the time. You know, you it's it's the same thing with the manners. You expect me to reward you for doing something for doing something that I asked that I for meeting my expectations. You expect me to reward you for it. Scott Service and the Mariners are supposed to be sixty-one and fifty-two, holding a wild card spot in er, in early August. They're supposed to be in the mix. Who the hell thought on April the eleventh? or May the 11th, for that matter, that the Baltimore Orioles would have damn near 60 wins in early August and hold a wild card spot before, you know, after Mother's Day. Who saw this coming? Because I, as a lifelong diehard Oriole fan, sure as hell didn't see it coming either. But they don't quit. I mean, think about it. They had Trey Mancini, face of the franchise, one of the few remaining players from the Buxalota era, era, him along with Anthony Santander, remaining on the roster. Fan favorite, beloved by all, the cancer battle, Mo Gabba, whole nine yards. Good has a good season. Team's leader on base percentage. Part the 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 clubhouse glue, so to speak. Gets traded to the Houston Astros, and the team went on a went went on to sweep the season series of the Texas Rangers, not skip a beat, and go on a five game winning streak. And they've won seven, and they've won seven out of their last ten. I mean that is unfreaking believable. And oh, by the way, they lose the All Star closer who had a renaissance of the season, and Jorge Lopez and the bullpen hadn't skipped the beat either. Felix Bautista, who set up Jorge in the eighth, now moves on to the ninth and has been knock on wood thus far 
a lights out closer for us. And again, the team just doesn't quit. They don't collapse. They don't get down on themselves. They don't, woe is me, season's over. No one, you know, the GM, nobody thinks of us as anything. It was a nice run, fun while it lasted. Let's, you know, let's take down, let's cancel the parade plans, come back down to earth, eat our slice of humble pie, we'll see you in 2023. No, 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 no. If anything, this t- if anything, those two trades woke up something in them. It woke up something in them. Woke up that dog in them. If anything, and hopefully this is the case, come October the 11th. Maybe this is a thing that this team might might have needed. That extra oomph, that extra ounce of motivation to be playing mid-late October baseball. You just don't know. You just don't know. And, you know, give Elias credit. You know, um, get to uh, get to these trades, specifically get away from the team's performance. Uh, um, Elias, give him credit. You know, when he traded Mancini, traded Lopez, two guys who are both extremely liked in the clubhouse. Lopez, of course, had, with the with the health issues with his son, uh, with the health issues with his son, and then of course Trey. We I discuss how how much the how much the team. And and the friend the fan base loved him. Uh, Elias, to his credit, you know he went down. He went down when they were in Arlington. Spoke with the team. Uh, spoke with spoke with Mountcastle. Spoke with Mullen. Spoke with Hayes and said, "Hey, you know I I need you guys. To, Trey's gone. I need you guys are you guys are the core that we're trying to build this championship uh, team for the next decade around." We, we we need you guys here. We need you all in. We need you to step up, take that leadership role, that uh, and, and uh, sort of the passing of the torch from Mancini to those three guys. And I need you. We need you to step up. We listen. We I believe he now he he gave the impression before he traded Mancini and in the and in the and in the moments leading up to and and during the process of the Mancini trade. Elias did make it seem like and did come across to the media that he didn't think that the Orioles were a playoff team, that they, that, you know, nice story, you know, cute team, uh, you know, you know, playing competitive, watchable, entertaining baseball. Well, we all know this isn't going to last, you know, cute story, bro. How you doing? Keep it moving. But, and then I guess the tides have turned and changed from that because we went down to Texas and spoke with the media and spoke with the team. At least uh, the the likes of uh, Mullins, Mountcastle, and Hayes, he he made it known that yes, yes, I want you guys to go all in and make a and make a uh, a passionate push to 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 get a to get a wild card spot. But we're also trying to uh, but we're but our main goal is focus on competing, and you know competing for the next ten years. Which you know in the moments leading up to. The Mancini trade, and in the and while the trade was going on, it didn't feel like it felt like Hyde was giving the good old finger to the players in the clubhouse and giving the and giving the old uh, du- giving the old double bird to the fan base. 
But after, I guess, he went and cleaned up his mess down in Texas, it appears that's not going to be the case. He deserves credit for that as well. He also was sitting behind home plate with the common folk in the stands on Tuesday night when Rugnetto, you know, when Rugnetto Dor hit that game-tying home run in the eighth inning, which was an absolute, uh, which was an absolute, uh, which was an absolute amazing sight to behold uh, as well. Um, all I gotta say though, you know, I still miss Mancini. If I woke up tomorrow and somehow and somehow found out that the Orioles, you know, by some uh, by some supernatural miracle got them back on the team, I would be ecstatic and I do and I do cartwheels and until my heart's content. And I and I do miss having Lopez in the back end of the bullpen because he was a tremendous story. The Renaissance whole bit whole nine yards, but um, but you know I. I the the players that the players that Elias got back, you know, you better hope I, I you know, even if they don't work out, the Orioles have a loaded farm system. They are it didn't take them long for them to already reclaim having the number one prospect in the sport according to Baseball America. Uh, so it's with uh, with uh, with uh, with um. Gunnar Henderson. So even if the prospects don't work out, I'm not going to kick and scream and go too crazy. Uh, but you know, but they, but the prospects they did get back a long ways away. Right hander Seth Johnson from the Rays and Chase McDermott from Houston. Um, uh, and and the uh, and it, and I believe the player from Tampa uh, is dealing is going to have Tommy John surgeries. Who won't pitch in a good little? Who won't pitch in a good little bit? But um, but you, but you hope, um, but you, yes, Johnson is the player, 23 years old, one and one with a three ERA, seven starts in high A ball, miss all of this, all of the upcoming season with Tommy John surgery, McDermott, 23, six, one with a 5.50 ERA is 19 appearances, uh, pitching in a, pitching an A ball as well. So going to be a good little while before, before you ever think about seeing them in an Orioles uniform. Uh, but you know, if all goes according to plan, you know, things should be all right. The, uh, Johnson kid will be a, will be a damn good pitcher and the Tommy John surgery, of course, but in this day and age of baseball is basically the equivalent of having a bionic arm. So he should be fresh and better than that, better than ever. The other pitcher, I'm not too sure about, but, uh, but you know, you do miss Trey Mancini, do miss seeing him in the lineup, do miss seeing him in an Orioles uniform. You know, you just you just miss him being a part of the team, as I'm pretty sure the rest of the uh, the rest of the organization, the players, and and, and of course the uh, the team uh, the team uh, physicians and the trainers, which he which Mancini made sure he pointed out on his way out on his way out the door to Houston that if it wasn't for the the team physicians and the and the team within the athletic training and their and the team's medical staff that that who knows what have happened uh to Trey Mancini after the fact had it not been for the Orioles medical staff detecting the cancer that he had and what we didn't know at the time was going to be an abbreviated uh short spring training in the in the February of 2020 but uh, but he so you know you do miss you do miss him being a part of it. Now listen, it's not like that he's that he's that he you know that the record book wise and memory wise that he never was on the team. You know Trey Mancini. Of course, you know regardless how this season ends, when they air the season, 
a little highlight reel opening day of 2023 next April, you know, regardless of whether or not Trey Mancini finds his way back with the Orioles or, or sees that he likes it in Houston or wherever, you know, regardless, you're going to see that highlight of, uh, of Trey Mancini yelling and screaming at the top of his lungs, pointing towards the Orioles first base dugout when he hit the walk off home run. Uh, we hit the walk-off home run against the Angels back in uh, back in mid back in mid July to extend the Orioles' winning streak at the time to I believe six in a row, if I'm not mistaken, to extend their winning streak to six in a row at that point in time. But yeah, you do miss them. But you know, and I'm pretty sure those guys in the locker room miss them too. But the thing is, but the thing is that you love is that they haven't is that they haven't shown it. Which is a tremendous credit to him and Brandon Hyde, uh, and Brandon Hyde uh, as well, and uh, and my and Mike Elias, you know, he he turned himself from villain to hero very quickly. He or from from villain to hero very quickly, you know. He he. There was a lot of Orioles fans that were getting on him and crushing him, and a lot of people with the baseball media. And I and I wasn't gonna be all you don't know what you're talking about. You're wrong. You're emotional. Cause I was cause I was in that camp. You know when the trade deadline was going on, my emotions and my reaction to it was like a roller coaster. You know, sometimes I was high on it. I was like, well, you know, it hurts, but it's nature of the business, better farm system. You know, the longer we can be a competitive team, the better off we'll be. And then the low part is, it's like, what is this guy doing? Does he have no feel? Giving the finger to the clubhouse, the players, Brandon Hyde, the coaches, the fan base, first bet, the, the best season theoretically that we've had through this point, you know, since 2017. And he's pissing all over it. What is this guy doing? Upset the karma of the team. Clubhouse locker room favorite, fan favorite, Trey Mancini field goal story whole nine yards. He's he's not gonna be on the he's not gonna be on he's not gonna be expensive when he hits free agency, you know, give him a contract, all that sort of so it's like up and down, up and down, up and down wave of emotions, which again going back to what I said in the opening monologue with Deshaun Watson, good thing I allow stuff to let it breathe, let it sit, let it ponder, swim through my head, and then I come on here and give my knee jerk and give my reaction. Because if I would have came on here at the moment in time he was traded, I would have gone. I would have gone bananas. But now that 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 some time has passed, logic has overweighed, and has and has and has taken more area in my brain on this issue than sheer emotions. And what my heart feels, you know, you come to, you hate the part ways with Trey, but if it's, but if Brand, but if Mike believes it's the best, it's for the best of the organization, then I surely will take him at his word on that. He also said that the Orioles are, uh, are it's, you know, it's a lift off from here as far as, op- as far as the window of the Orioles opening up their 10 year, soon to be hopefully 10 year knock on wood. A window of, of of World Series competitive baseball, which depending on how this season goes, could could begin in 2022. If not, we for sure know it'll begin in 2023, uh, which which uh, which is a very promising sign from the GM. Uh, here I give uh, here I give you uh, I give it a quote. The bottom line is, this is an organization for which we feel a championship window is opening, and we are seeking players at this time to contribute that window. When a player is is a free agent in nine weeks, nine weeks, you have to consider bringing in high upside talent. 
Now the only thing the only thing where I differ with Elias now after the fact that he said, quote, it's lift off from here. Um and you know, and he's saying that, that he you know that he's gonna be looking towards to signing some guys uh in free agency in the upcoming winters as soon as this one uh after the season is over. Um here's the here's the thing though about here's the thing though about Elias well it's two things and Brett Phillips is the second one, but I get to the first one first. The, here's the thing about Mike Elias that that I that I would love to ask him if I had an opportunity to, if I had the opportunity to. Trey Mancini, all Trey Mancini is not going to be it's not going to be expensive. He's not going to be a play, he falls into that category of the thirty year old player that's not great a la Juan Soto, a la Bryce Harper, a la a Mike Trout and Aaron Judge. He's not that great of a player, but he's not a bum. He's not bad at his job. He is a good, solid, all-star baseball player who's in his early 30s, not his late 20s or his mid-20s, his early 30s. And though, and and the good and the marginal slash average slash very good baseball player in their early thirties in two thousand and twenty-two MLB baseball do not get the big time contracts that they used to back in the day. They just don't. So odds are, no, who is going to on honestly break the bank for uh, break the bank to sign Trey Mancini long term? There's not a single team in my mind that 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 pops into my head right now. Not one. So he's not going to be expensive, and he's a locker room favorite. The fans love him, and he was adamant in his final days in Oriole uniform and one through. He was adamant that if he had it his way, he would still be an Oriole because he felt the need. He wanted to sit through an experience going through the muck and mire of the 2018, 19, 20 to a certain degree and 21 seasons to see the fruit of his labor and to see the fruit of the suffering uh, 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 blossom and, and come to pass when it came time to this team to become a playoff slash World Series contender again in the 2020s. He made it adamant that he wanted to, that if it was up to him, he wanted to stay here to see through the rebuild, to see the championship window open. Now, if a guy that has sat through many of rough nights, rough car rides to and from the stadium, to rough bus rides to and from the stadium to the hotels, has sat through many a rough plane rides, God knows what's going on in in the clubhouse behind the scenes, behind closed doors after many of those horrendous Oriole losses, whether it's the final season with Buck in 18, 19, 19, and 2021 with Brandon. God only knows. If he makes it known and makes it public that he wants to be here along with everybody else to be there with, with the young Bucks of Hayes and Mullins and and Mountcastle and Rutschman and all the players that are going to come up through the minor league system after, if he makes it known that he wants to be here, 
obviously, it, to me, money is not an issue. That speaks to me that money's not an issue. He wants to be with his guys and he wants to play here. And if I'm Mike Elias, I got to find a way to make sure sometime that to get Trey Mancini back. You get, you get, you get, you get, if you're Mike Elias, you got to find, this is, now this is just me talking. You got to, you got to find a way, if it's me, to see if you can make something happen to bring Trey back when he hit, when he hits free agency at the, uh, you know, in the next season or so. Said when Trey was dope, he, Mike Elias was quoted saying, quote, I'm looking forward to what we can discuss with Trey as a free agent. Which hopefully, which I hopefully, fingers crossed, hand heart to God on my knees. I hope that means that he's going to look into bringing back Trey in the off season. And if he does, what a complete flex that would be. Trade Trey Mancini while his value is high, and then watch this team make the playoffs. And oh, by the way, off season you bring back Trey for a three five year deal and see and let the chips fall where they may. But he, if he, if a, if a player, especially in this day and age in professional sports, if a player makes it known that he wants to be here, you move heaven and earth to make sure that 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 his request comes to pass. And I hope the Orioles do that for Trey when he hit when he hits uh, when he hits free agency. I hope they do it. But you know, and it's funny. And it's and it's funny, and I get to the second Elias thing, and I get to my Adley Rutschman point, and then we'll move on. It's funny, you know. I I told you guys I went to the Yankees Orioles game on Saturday, July the twenty third, and I had left field seats, first row. Right atop that big giant left field, the you know the quote unquote great wall of Baltimore as they call it, the new wall, which sat behind. I never sat in the outfield for the first time ever, and that time that Saturday in late July was the first time I ever I've ever sat in the, sat in the outfield, which was which which in my honest opinion is a uh, is a uh, is a uh, is a uh, uh, is a um, under is a underrated place to sit. At least in that stadium, it's an underrated place to sit. At, when you when you when it's just you and it's just one ticket, it is it is fairly cheap. It 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 is it's fairly cheap. It is a, a nice seat, nice view of the nice view of the field. You're right on top of things. You know you can you know to get yourself hype. You can you know you can reach over the wall and bang it like you're at you know, like you're at a football game. Turn to your left, you see right field, and you see the scoreboard perfectly fine. Uh, very underrated place to sit in that in that ballpark, in my honest opinion. Now, granted, I, the one reason why I picked it, and I'm getting off the beaten path. I'm aware of that, and it's a long segment going on an hour. I apologize, but I haven't talked in 14 days. And you're gonna have to live with it. Uh, I cho- one reason why I chose that seat is because I anticipated at least getting a home run, at least getting one home run ball hit in my direction. Playing the Yankees, Judge was that, or it's not Judge. Stanton was out in the lineup the night that I went to that game, but yeah, but you had uh, and Donaldson and Carpenter are right-handed hitters. But I anticipated an Aaron Judge who killed the Orioles in that series. 
uh, hit a home run, hit a home run in games one and in game three, and didn't hit one in game two. How ironically is that? Didn't hit a home run. He was one of the reasons why I got that seat because I wanted to get a home run ball from Judge and Austin Hayes, among other players for the Orioles. And there was only one ball hit to left field, and it was and it was a shallow fly ball into left. But having said all of that, I go to that game July 23rd. I'm sitting there with my arms sitting on top of the wall. Trey Mancini comes up the bat. And the song that, and his walk-up song that gets played is 21 Questions by 50 Cent. Now, I wanted to tweet this at the time. I wanted to... I wanted to say something. Uh, I, I, I wanted I wanted to say something uh, on the show, but I wanted to wait and see if Mancini was going to get traded before I before I decided to bring up this little anecdote. And since he's been gone, he's since he's been gone for a little over a week. I'll bring I'll say it now. I part of me knew in the back of my head. That Mancini was on his way out the door. Part of me knew. Didn't want to believe it. Didn't want to. Uh, didn't want to get myself all right up. And get myself crazy. But in the back of my mind. Part of me. Part of me. Had a, had a feeling. That Mancini was out the door. And the reason why I say that is if you've you ever heard of the song 21 Questions by 50 Cent, basically the essence and the theme of the song is 50 saying to his love interest, his love, his love interest, baby mama, girlfriend, potential wife, whatever. He's basically saying, would you love me if my life was different in X, Y, Z, one, two, three different amount of ways? Would you love me if I flipped burgers at Burger King? Would you love me if I if I gained weight and I became fat? You know, if 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 my life was different than the way it is now that you know me, would you still love me the same? Would you still be with me? And Mancini used that as his walk-up song. And the and the the um the chorus of it, and I'll play it when we get when we get out of this break after the segment. The chorus of it is, is it easy. Love me now. Would you love me if I was down and out? Would you still have love for me, girl? It's easy to love me now. Would you love me if I was down and out? Would you still have love for me, girl? And I listened to that, and I was like, huh, okay. And I, the down part was the slump that he was in. The down part was because at that point in time, Trey Mancini hadn't hit, had gotten, he had gotten maybe one hit, one or two hits within his last 30-plus at-bats. He was in a huge slump at that time. So he couldn't hit his way out of the paper bag. Was awful at the plate. And the out part was down, not playing well, out, 
means out of Baltimore, not on the team anymore. Baltimore, Orioles fans everywhere, would you still have love for me? Which was interesting. So I thought about the... Because I've heard the song before. I listened to it from time to time. It's in my playlist. One of my favorite 50 Cent songs. But I'm sitting up here in the back of my head going, huh. I like I'm, I'm, When I heard that, I made a little... First time I heard it, when you first step up to the plate in the game, I made a little mess and I was like, huh, interesting. Okay. Uh, and then, uh, and lo and behold, he... So... You know, and and I and part of me did again didn't want to believe it. Part of me knew that he was as good as gone. Oh, uh, it's when I heard that song as his walk up song for the first time. Um, and uh, and getting back to Elias, you know the the Mancini trade. I don't like. I can live with because of the fact the prospects you get back. I get that, and you can always go out there. And again, it's like he's going to be requesting you know Juan Soto money four hundred seventy five damn near half a billion dollars, you know, for a 12-year contract extension. He's not going to he's not going to be asking for Juan Soto money and the Orioles to essentially have have one of the lowest payrolls in the sport can absolutely afford. Now, now roster spot wise is another thing, but monetarily speaking from my perspective, from my reasoning, there's no I don't see a reason why the Orioles can't bring back Trey Mancini for a good a uh, nice three to five year, three to five year deal. So although I'm, I'm over it that he's gone. I still wish he was there, but it is what it is. It is a business. It's the part of baseball. It's a part of sports that I hate. But you know, you live with it, and you just hope that eventually he'll be back in an Orioles uniform sooner than we think. That's the one trade. The Lopez trade, I was upset, not upset that he was traded. I was upset to see him go because of the tremendous turnaround season that he had. And Jorge Lopez took, turned me into from one of his harshest critics to one of his biggest fans and one and one of and one of, you know, the and and someone that was really happy and proud of him for having the the, the, the renaissance and a 180 of a season that he had this year going from a pathetic waste of my damn time closer that couldn't get out of the third inning one year to turning into right-handed Zach Britton 2.0 the next coming out of the back end of the bullpen as the Orioles closer and an all-star whole nine yards Orioles lone representative in the all-star game. I mean, and the, plus the issues with his son and everything else. So I was upset to see him go and see him off the team more than I was about the move. At the beginning, not only seeing Trey go bothered me, the trade bothered me. Seeing Lopez earth me, it didn't bother me. The trade did not bother me. Because, and that was the one trade that, and when I heard that it happened, I knew exa- I knew because with the Mancini thing, it was it was being debated. It was well, this it was it was an it was an item of conversation, it, it uh, of debate, I should say. With Mancini, it was or excuse me, with Lopez, it was he's he's traded because the Orioles aren't going to guarantee that he runs back this season next year, and. And we miss out on it on the opportunity of getting whatever back and capitalizing on 
what quite possibly be his highest value as a as a major league baseball player. He can't count on the fact that you, you would love to, if you're an Orioles fan, have him go out there second season as a closer and kick ass and and take names for a second straight season in a row. But you can't count on that. You can't you can't feed your fam you can't feed your family on a promise. You can't you can't guarantee that. So the Orioles figure well. His value is only as good as his last outing. It's only as good as how he's performed this season. So we might as well see if we can get as much as we possibly can out of him. And thus they did and they traded for him. So that trade I had no problems with whatsoever. I understood what I was doing. The one trade I, I don't get is, is Brett Phillips. Simply from this aspect. If you're going to trade Trey Mancini, who once again, locker room favorite, fans love him, players love him, clubhouse environment he's a huge part of he's a huge part of that and you hear all the quotes and read all the quotes from the players you know we're like a we're like a family we're a cohesive unit everybody loves playing with each loves playing alongside each other loves loves each other's company this that and the other and Trimman sees a huge part of that i understand contracts and the business side is any other but when he's such a eminent clubhouse guy within that team that like he was on top of being a team and on base per- team leader at the time of his departure and on base percentage, and then you go ahead and you proceed to trade for 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 Brett Phillips, really, who who doesn't get on base, who can't hit his way out of the paper bag. That'd be basically the Trey Mancini, the discount Trey Mancini replacement as far as good karma and uh, and locker room chemistry is concerned. Uh, tough to take. Tough to think, especially when you when you gave Tampa Bay cash to get him in a trade where you could have claimed him for free, quote unquote, when the Rays DFA'd him. And you could have claimed him off waivers and then have to, and not have to pay a nickel to get us to get him on your team. The Brett Phillips trade is one. Now it's a minor one. I don't think it will come back to bite us in the ass because it wasn't like that they traded any players. It is money, you know, money, cash considerations. But that was the one trade that looking back on that looking back on it in a full mature level, you know, with the with the with the fan to uh with the Orioles fan to to uh baseball savant lenses on twenty twenty. That trade you can make the argument is more was is more egregious than the than the Mancini one, simply because you traded for a player that outside of given the, given the offense and giving the fans a couple laughs and a couple of feel good stories and and pitching in, and 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 pitching in blowout in in eighteen to one blowout games in the in the in the in the, in the middle of the sixth or seventh, I mean he got he cannot hit. Can't hit, can't get on base for anything. Had a nice double when against uh, against the Pirates on Saturday afternoon, but he can't hit, can't hit, can't can't get on base, and you bring him in as to be the to be the piece of levity within the clubhouse, to be the new clubhouse guy now that Trey is gone, and Trey is a better player than and Trey is a better player than Phillips, who's been an Oriole all his life, and you know who you who who you know you could have. Given a contract extension to and 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 everything else, and you and you kick him to the curb, and you bring in Brent, uh, and you bring in Brett Phillips, who the who the Rays got rid of. 
as it, and and the and the and and, and the thing with the Rays is that they need everybody that they possibly can on their roster. On their forty man, all hands on deck. They've been injured to hell and back this season. But when they say that they've had enough of Brett Phillips in the Orioles, you turn around and bring him in. I, he may be a, I, I understand he may be a great guy and a hell of a teammate, but when it comes to winning baseball games and producing on the field at the plate, he fails to do so, at times very miserably. And Adley Rutschman, in my honest humble opinion, is the Orioles MV is the Orioles team team MVP thus far, and is isn't even a it isn't even a debate. It's not even close. He is he is the team's uh, he is the team's uh, most viable player. May not, may not just statistically be the best, but he has been their most viable player. Their record since he got called up on that Saturday night in May has been absolutely has been absolutely sensational. It's 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 it's, it's night and day with this team. Outside of the two walk-offs against Tampa and against uh, the Yankees leading up to his call-up, they've been a night and day. The baseball team's been night and day. Uh, you know, MVO, the most valuable Oriole. This point in time, right now, should go to uh, should should go to uh, should go to Adley Rushman without even thinking about it, without even have to have to debate it. And if you want a quote-unquote hot take, I give you one for you. Adley Rutschman deserves to finish top five in MVP voting. If the Euros make the playoffs, you can even make the argument he deserves to be an MVP finalist. How about that? Long segment, but hey, 14 days, Orioles have done a lot. Take a break. We get to some other aspects around Major League Baseball, the Um Telecatiaus podcast. Welcome back <clears throat> to the I'm Talking TIS podcast. Switching gears now to some other elements as far as Major League Baseball is concerned. And the other big time news uh, from the trade deadline also was uh, Juan Soto, who is now a San Diego Padre. Um, I give you, there's two sides to this. There's a national side and then there's a Padre side. I'll do the national side first. The Nationals are in a position where where they are going to be in for nine miles of rough road for the foreseeable for the for the foreseeable future. I mean, they granted they got a World Series out of it, and that is what's going to make this whole long, tedious, painful process worth it. But they are in a position where they are going to be in the abyss and be irrelevant. You won't see them on, you won't see them on Fox. You won't see them Sunday night baseball, TBS, MLB Network showcase, all the, everything that you've been accustomed to seeing with the Nationals since 2012 in the national spotlight. That's going to be a thing in the past from uh, from 2023 until until 
whenever, you know, for the indef for the indefinite future. Um, because they, because when you have, you have, you as a French now, granted, I understand there's going to be a shift in, in an ownership change and everything else. And, and Washington DC in 2022 isn't exactly the, uh, the, the greatest place in, in, in America to live, to live, uh, in, but you know, the, the, there's a big time issue with the nationals where you let Juan Soto and Bryce Harper two transcendent hall of fame, uh, first of the, you know, uh, a, uh, a list, uh, all-star outfit soon to be if they can if they can Harper closer than Soto because Soto is 23 years of age and still has a lot of his career in front of him than it is behind him Harper's been in the league 10 Harper's been in the league 10 years but when you when, when you let two transcendent stars in Harper and Soto go for better or for worse for whatever the reason whether they don't want to be there because of the organization who's running it Oh, uh, or who's be who's running it? They don't want to live in these. Whatever the reason is, and it's not because the Nationals are cheap, because they're not cheap. But for whatever the reason is, if you have issues keeping those two, those two, those two left-handed bats in your lineup, those two outfield, you have problems keeping them, and there isn't enough money to to uh to have them stay and continue to play for play for your ball club. You got major major problems. On top of the fact that you know, gave all that money to Steven Strasburg, I, I, I literally, no lie, it feels like I have not seen Steven Strasburg pitch in a game since the 2019 World Series. I understand that I'm executing in hyperbole when I say that, but it literally, that's how long it feels since I've last seen Steven Strasburg in a, meaning, in a meaningful start in a baseball game. It feels like I have not seen him pitch in a in, in in a in a you know for a long for a long drawn out period of time of of a game of of any kind of significant magnitude since the 19 world series and they and they chose and they had to pick their poison who they give their big time money to him or rendon they picked strasburg he's hurt never plays and they and they were in in this case they were damned they do damned they don't so you can't kill them on that because if they would have given it to Rendon Rendon who and the Angels decided to give Anthony Rendon all that money who should have been a 2019 National League MVP by the way they gave they gave Anthony Rendon all that money and he never plays he's always injured getting paid a fortune so you give him a break with that but I mean you cannot let Harper and Soto two again transcendent generational talent outfielders left-handed bats in your lineup that can hit one through four that can anywhere in your lineup one through four you cannot under any circumstances allow them both to go let them walk one yes two uh uh-uh so the nationals are the nationals are are in for a uh are in for a hellish few seasons. Uh, you know, 2020, 2023 could get ugly for them. Could if you're, I put it to you this way: if you're a Nationals fan, don't bother wasting your time watching the Nationals play after opening day, and then don't waste your time or your money buying tickets to go see them either. You're better. You you you're better. You're better off if you're uh if you're if you're better off. 
scoreboard watching or casually you know watching a game a month because things could get ugly down there in DC for the Nationals. Uh, and then from a Padre perspective, it, from a Padre perspective, it's put up a shut up time. I mean that 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 is that is all there is to it from a San Diego Padre standpoint. They, they I mean it, it, it that's what that's what it is. It's put up a shut up time. They are sixty three and fifty one. The division is long gone. The division's long gone. They've split the baby in half five and five in their last ten games, and they currently hold the th- the third and final wild card spot in the sixth seed in the National League by one singular game. That is of the Milwaukee Brewers who are on their tail at sixty and fifty. For the Padres, it's put up or shut up time. I saw their series. I saw their game on Sunday night against. I saw their game on Sunday night against the Dodgers. Here's what I want to say about the Padres. You know, the Padres have got to get have got to get into their head that uh, that that there is no rivalry between them and the Dodgers. Okay, there 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 is no rivalry between the two. Because every single time the Dodgers and the Dodgers and Padres play each other, all the Dodgers do is kick their ass. Every single time they play them, it feels it feels like they 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 kick their ass. They kick their ass up and down the baseball field all the time. The Dodgers are seventeen and two in their last nineteen games against the Padres, seventeen and two. And Machado and Soto four for nineteen in their weekend series against the Dodgers. If you're the Padres, I understand they had a nice walk off win against the Giants on Tuesday night. But if you're the but if you but if you're the San Diego Padres, you cannot under any circumstances bring in the generational talent that is Juan Soto, who is yours to keep for the next two and a half seasons. Bring him in, all the hoopla, all the national attention and the buzz with the fan base. Within the family, so if you, within your own team, your own city, your own community, and of course the outside noise all across the United States, you can't do that. Bring Soto in, and then proceed to get swept by the by your by by the L.A. Dodgers, a team that you claim to have a division rival again with uh, a, a a rivalry uh, with when they outscored you twenty to four. The L.A. pitchers gave up one run in twenty seven innings. Machado and, and and your new toy Soto went four for nineteen with zero RBIs, and the fact that in your last nineteen games against the Dodgers, you're seventeen and two. That's not a rivalry. That is a one-way ass kicking to an early off season. So the Padres. I understand that they've played well since, but against the matter of fact, let me go and see what and then look at their schedule. See when's the next time they will play. The because bottom line is you cannot expect to to win. The, you can't win the. You cannot uh, be considered a World Series contender by any stretch of the imaginations. Let alone let and and win the NL pennant. Let alone win the NL West. Or excuse me, win the NL West, let alone win the NL pennant. He can't get through the team that's been running it for for about the damn near the last decade. And that he cannot have that. Now they get lucky, soft schedule. Washington, they play the Nationals 
twice within a week and a half time, and they also get the Marlins, and then they also have a series with the Royals. But they play the Dodgers. They play the Dodgers for three in Dodger Stadium again in early September. Three the first weekend of the new, of the NFL season, September 9th through the 11th at Petco. And they host them one more time in late September the 27th through the 29th. If you're the Padres, you want to prove to everyone that you're for real, that you mean business. I'd start by taking some of those series against the Dodgers coming up in September. Because nobody, nobody is going to care what you do. Uh, no one, no one is going to care about you guys beating up on 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 the poor Washington, on the poor inept, uh, unwatchable, collapsing Washington Nationals. Get the job done against the Dodgers next time you see them. Soto, you too. Um, what else I want to get to? Also, Josh Hader, who was abysmal in their uh, comeback victory Tuesday night with the Brewers. I understand that he is he that that Josh Hader has been awful since July, but it doesn't make any sense to me why the Brewers, you know, with a few more seasons of of of, of team control on his contract, why they would send him away to the Padres when they're trying to compete. You know, to win the division with the St. Louis Cardinals in the Central. I mean, that trade made absolutely no sense to me. Speaking of things that also made no sense to me, how in the world, how in the world did the Nick now listen? When the Orioles won won their game Tuesday night against Toronto, it put them a half a game back of the third wild card spot at the time. And I knew because I heard it on the broadcast mentioned by a, by the great broadcaster Kevin Brown. That if the Mariners lose, it would have lost to the Yankees, because when because it had, that because remember that the Orioles and Blue Jays game Tuesday night had a 78 minute rain delay. So by the time the game was getting its legs back on, was getting its legs back under itself. Matter of fact, when the game started, it was 10:25 at night. Yankees and Mariners game had already started, so. Oh, of course, Odori hits the two-run home run. They take the lead. Game's over. Orioles win it. So then my attention turns to the Yankees and Mariners game. It's nothing-nothing scoreless, so it's in the later innings about a quarter to midnight, if not a little if not a little after, because it's a nothing-nothing game. Nobody scored as been no offense. And I sat there and I watched that game via, because the MLB Network had it. I sat up and watched that game, dozing off to sleep the deeper and deeper it got into the game as I'm sitting in my bed watching on my, on my iPad. I've been watching baseball religiously since I, for, for as long as I can remember. I've been a baseball fan since the age of two, the age of three. I've played Little League, I've played high school, varsity, and JV. I've watched it all my life. Gone to games in person, seen how seen God knows how many games on television live. But the base running that I saw in the Yan- in the Yankees Mariners game on Tuesday night, where they had runners thrown out not one, not once, not twice. Three consecutive times, three consecutive to see Major League Baseball players get thrown out on the base pass in three consecutive innings, 
in my years of watching baseball, following baseball, as one of the most embarrassing, one of the most embarrassed. That's one. Of, that was one of the most embarrassing things I've ever seen happen on a baseball field. One of the most embarrassing sequences of events on a baseball diamond I have ever seen in my life, ever. How in the world do you run into three, run into outs on the bases three consecutive innings? One inning, second inning, how? Okay, I I don't know what Aaron Boone does during the Yankee off days. I don't know what he does in spring training down in Tampa. All I know is that if it was my ball club, and again, I tweeted this one out too. If it was my ball club, I'd have dragged their asses out of bed there, meaning the Yankees, would have dragged their asses out of bed at 6 in the morning, find a local Seattle high school somewhere, and made every single last one of them outside of the bullpen, which pitched their ass off and played their ass off and, and, and held on. And, and was holding on to it and was holding on to that nothing nothing score by a thread by a thread the deeper and deeper into the game it got I make outside the bullpen everybody's running until their until their legs give out they get cramps they get tired or or they vomit you run the bases just 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 lapping them start at from home plate run around the bases until I say stop because I tell you some right now, I don't know much. I have a general idea of how he was, and he died when I was eight years old, and I'm not a Yankee fan. But I think, but I I think I can say this without fear of contradiction, that last night in Seattle, the late George Steinbrenner was rolling in his grave when he saw that foolishness. Three consecutive extra innings getting thrown out on the base paths. And if you watch the Yankee broadcast that night, uh, Ryan Rucco said it best. Throughout those sequences where the Yankees were getting thrown out on base, they had no more than two batters come up to come up to the plate in an inning. Think about that for a minute. From a Yankee perspective, and someone who wanted the Yankees to win to help the Orioles seeding, that 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 stuff right there would 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 make you want to go insane. It, it that would that would literally make you want to go insane. It would make you want to lose your every lo- ever loving mind and want to call Boone Cashman whoever the players want to call them any, anything call them anything but a child of God. Because that wasn't bad baseball. That wasn't lackadaisical, lazy, you know, half-assed baseball. That's straight up. That was in that that was embarrassing. That was a it was offensive watching the Yankees run the bases on Tuesday night. Offensive. They were that bad. Offensive. They cast Joey Gallo out to the Dodgers and they still can't hit. Did you know they did you know that the Yankees have won only three games? Three in which they've been out homered. Three. 
only three games that they've won in which they've been out homered. What does that show me? The Yankees of 2021 are slowly but surely rising back from the dead, seeping through the cracks, and making their presence known again. That's what that shows me. It also shows me that this team, once again, is way too dependent on hitting the home run. Same thing with the free throw shot in the NBA. You live by the sword, you die by the sword. You live by the three, you die by the three. You live by the deep ball in football, you die by the deep ball in football with your offense. Baseball, no different. Live by the home run, you die by it. And if it's me, I do not want a championship contending team being that much of a feast or famine when it comes to their offensive approach and offensive strategy. You got to be able to championship baseball teams find a way to get on base and manufacture runs in different ways. And by different ways, Boone, I'm not talking about double stealing, having your run on second base commit one of the baseball's cardinal rules, and that's committing the first out of the inning at third base. I'm not talking about that. That is just, oh my goodness. I mean, what honestly, what does he do? What does he do during spring training? What does he do? In the, uh, because if you're not practicing situational base running and base running in general, one, I'll say it again, Aaron Boone needs to go. Because as a manager of a World Series contending baseball team that has been on a... A, a a dream-like run through the first four months of the season, through four out of six months out of the season, your season's been, been an absolute dream world up until that point. And, and you guys are getting thrown out on a basis. I could find Little League teams and 12U travel teams that know how to run the bases better than the New York Yankees do. And that's embarrassing. I could see if the if the Yankees were the Nationals or last year's Orioles or the nineteen or twenty eighteen Orioles or any of those baseball teams where they're just where they're either unceremoniously tanking or they're just a bad or they're just a bad group with a bunch of incompetent screw ups posing as major league baseball players. That I can see, that I can kinda understand. This team is in first place by double digits having already lost number one seed in the American League, and they can't run the bases worth a damn, and an extra innings, nothing-nothing tie against the Seattle Mariners, a team who they could who they could play in the playoffs. Makes no freaking sense whatsoever. None. And Aaron Judge does what he does best, Hits a home run and early earlier on Wednesday afternoon, and the bullpen comes in right behind him and, and blows the game. Aaron Boone goes in and brings in uh, goes in and brings uh, Albert Abreu in a in a run one in a one run game, and you get what you pay for. The Q&A of the episode. You can access this on the I'm Telling Podcast uh, channel page. 
And it is as follows. Who will be the three American League wildcard teams and why? Who will be the three American League AL wildcard teams and why? That's your Q&A of the episode. And the poll question of the episode is how many games should Deshaun Watson be suspended for? Nine, 12, the entire 2022 season or indefinitely? Make your voice heard. The poll poll and the Q&A question is only available available exclusively on the Amatella Like a TIS podcast channel page on Instagram or Instagram on Spotify. Take a break. We wrap things up with the NFL. This is the Amatella Like a TIS podcast. We welcome you back to the I'm Telling TIS podcast, which in gears down to the back to the NFL to close out the show just to give you a couple of housekeeping items before we say goodnight. Debo Samuel finally gets his money, rightfully deserved extension, 40, $41 million fully guaranteed. Uh, it's a, a $71.55 million contract extension with the maximum value of $73.5 million. Uh, over the next uh, three seasons, and also includes a uh, incentive with Debo Samuel and his a uh, hybrid running back, uh, pos- uh, his hybrid running back spot within the uh, 49ers offense, which we saw them execute a lot during their playoff run uh, last season. Back in last season, back in uh, back on uh, back in January. But um, he he deserves his money. You know, it was a huge falling out between him and the uh, a, a huge and complicated and long uh, war of attrition between him and the 49ers organization about his contract while also trying to figure out what the hell to do with Jimmy Garoppolo. Good to see that those two finally uh, put their uh, pride aside and said, listen, you know, Debo, you've got a chance to still win and be on a fairly good football team playing with us. And why jump ship to another team in, you know, during training camp? You're better off just uh, staying where your O's, where your oats are sown and staying with San Francisco. And San Francisco realizes that, uh, you know, that they need Debo Samuel to be a key, vital, important part of their offense. So they both come to a mutual compromise. Debo gets his money, and he's not going to be there for that long amount of time. Only, you know, a short three, a short but chunky, as far as rich, uh, th- uh, three-year contract for Debo Samuel. So we, f- so we finally, you know, in the aftermath of A.J. Brown getting his money and Christian Kirk setting the market, uh, to a to a uh, to a different level, and uh, f- and of course the Devonte Adams uh, new deal after he traded, after he got traded from the Packers to uh, the uh, to the uh, Vegas Raiders, and it's good to see Debo Samuel uh, is finally uh, going to get uh, going to get paid. And uh, speaking of the 49ers, they also will choose to uh, go with Trey Lance at quarterback. I've said it all along, and I'll say it again. I understand that Jimmy Garoppolo is not Steve Young. Jimmy Garoppolo is not Joe Montana. I understand that, and and he has a very, he has a very lowish ceiling when it comes to his abilities to lead you and to win a championship for you know for your football team. But the bottom line is, is that Jimmy Garoppolo, whether you like it or not, he wins games. 
the formula that they punch up in San Francisco, it, the, the end result always, more times than not, is playoff appearances, playoff wins, and opportunity to 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 uh, to, to, to to take a bite at a at a at a super at a Super Bowl championship. They they went all the way to the NFC Championship game as a wild card team last season, and then in 2020 they beat the brakes off. Of, now, granted, Jimmy Garoppolo barely did, barely had to do, all he had to do is just not lose the game, hand the ball off to Raheem Mostert, and it was get the hell out of the way and allow the Green Bay Packers to vomit all over themselves in the 19 Championship game. But I mean, if he didn't have a horrendous, honestly, can't play a game of what if this and what if that, and and if this would happen. I see he can't play that game. But the bottom line is, Jimmy Garoppolo, if he played, and I understand also it's the most important quarter of the Super Bowl that you got to make sure that you're on your A game. But if he has a great fourth quarter, and and the and the and the Forty defense doesn't collapse, <clears throat> Robert Sala. Jimmy Garoppolo may have would have a Super Bowl ring, and we'd be having an entirely different conversation right now. But that wasn't the case. Garoppolo, Garoppolo, the Forty Nine er offense, and just the Forty Nine ers as a whole, from Shanahan to Sala, offense and defense, quarterback included, collapsed in the fourth quarter, and it was Mahomes and the Chiefs Super Bowl championship to be had. But if they hadn't collapsed, he'd still be he'd you know he his future. What the 49ers would, be, at least I would think, would be as crystal clear as as a as a brand new polished uh, as as a freshly new polished diamond. But uh, but they're gonna go the Trey Lance route, and again, Jimmy Garoppolo wins. Okay, I understand he done. I understand he makes mistakes. He's he's uh, above. He's above average at best. He is not a. He is not. If you win a Super Bowl with him, it's going to be more because of what you put around him than his general ability as a starting quarterback in the league. You know, of, of course, he's not in the set. He's not even in the same conversation. Doesn't even belong to be in the same sentence with the likes of, of again, you know the names: Allen, Allen, uh, Mahomes. Uh, Burrow, Jackson, uh, Burrow, Allen, Burrow, Mahomes, Herbert, Lamar Jackson, and then of course two old heads. They're still at the top of the game in Mahomes and Mahomes and uh, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. So, but but he's serviceable. You can win with him, and you'll be a respectable football team with him as your quarterback. We'll see if the Cleveland Browns, depending on what happens with Deshaun Watson, if they'll take a if they'll take a shot at him. But the 49ers made it clear Trey Lance is the guy. They let him sit for long and they let him sit for long enough. Now it's time to see what you, it's time to see what you have with them. I don't think they have much. Was not impressed by a couple of the games that he played last season. I just I'm I'm not a believer in him under any circumstances whatsoever. I just I I don't think he's a big I don't think he's a big time quarterback. But the jury is out. I will pay attention to him in preseason a ton because I, with him and Kyle Shanahan, who loves to play that smartest guy in the room, I know more about football. The 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 you peons do type of notion. That's the type of cocky, arrogant attitude that that, that quote unquote swagger that he has about him. 
uh, which I don't like, so I'll keep my eye out on the 49ers uh, this month in preseason. But for but it is uh, Trey Lance time over in the Bay Area. Uh, the study clause is out of uh, of uh, Kyler Murray's contract because he decided to go to the media and kick and scream and made it out the and made it seem like the media invented this notion that Kyler Murray is a lazy player. He's this, that, and the other. Bottom line about Kyler Murray is, and a lot of these and a lot of these zenial athletes need to need to take some accountability and need to look in the mirror and take a lesson from this. Here's the bottom line. Okay, the media didn't make up the uh, didn't make up the fact that 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 you to put it to put it generously, you would rather play Call of Duty, play video games, do other things, than sit on your ass, do your job, and watch film. In weeks leading up to and and recapping and going over a game, you'd rather do X Y and X Y and Z than to do your job. So if employers know that you'd rather do X, Y, and Z rather than doing your job, expect them to say something about it, especially if they're generous enough for one reason or the other to give you a pay raise. And Kyle Murray goes out and lashes out at the media as if if they made it up. As as if it's a made up story, if it's some construct of fairy tale that they made up because they were bored stiff. I mean, Kyler, look in the mirror and have a little bit of self awareness, will you please? Okay, you admitted it yourself to the New York Times that you don't watch film. That you're not gonna that you're not gonna kill yourself watching film. That's a quote. So if the Arizona Cardinals, after they give you a big fat contract, decide that you need to spend X amount of hours per week leading up to a game studying film, then you know what? Either take it, accept it, like it, lump it, or don't sign the contract and don't take the money. It's that damn simple. I also don't want to hear the notion either that I heard that I heard from Patrick Mahomes who's lost. What else is new? Uh, about about this being a black and white thing, a black and white issue with the black quarterbacks, nonsense. Okay, nonsense. Nonsense. First off, where in the world does Mahomes get off thinking that he is criticized and he is under the media microscope in ways that say Lamar Jackson is. Lamar Jackson is the only black quarterback in the National Football League that can say something about feeling like that they're not treated or covered right or talked about properly when it comes to the national sports media. He's the, he's the only one I, I can listen to on that. Because he, because, because, A, because of his personality, B, his looks, and I hate to say it, but it is what it is. Your perception of people is often their truth. And, and unfortunately, truth doesn't, you know, truth doesn't, people's truths don't, don't always, more times than not, equal the, the, the real deal, holy field reality. His personality, the way he looks, the way he dresses, the way he carries himself. 
his style of play, so to speak. The, 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 you know, the, the, so out of anybody, there's any black quarterback I, I, I can hear and, and, and be like, yeah, okay, I mean, I feel you on that. It's Lamar Jackson. It's not Russell Wilson. It's not Murray. It's not Mahomes. Deshaun Watson don't want to hear from because because he's because he he's got his own issues right now. But he's the only one that can say something. Because from time to time, I feel like I'm not going to name any names and and pinpoint exact. But there are times where you where you at least in, from my perspective as a Deshaun as a Deshaun as a Lamar Jackson fan, where I feel like that the media gangs up on him and they nitpick and they and and they nitpick the people the fans on social media. You know they nitpick. Well, it's great this and other, but. You know, can he do this? Can he do that? Which can get tiresome and can become a tired act. And either subconsciously or fully consciously may, depending on who it is and what that person is saying, may have racial undertones behind it. Whether it's people on television or, or, or the, or the, or the uh, common folk on Twitter. But Lamar Jackson, I get I get Russell Wilson. Uh, uh-uh. uh. Ru- Russell Wilson gets made fun of the fa- makes gets made fun of because of his corniness and the fact that he that he just cannot come across as real, p- a real pure authentic person. That's Russell Wilson. Gets cr- that and the fact that he that he runs away with MVP races only to fall flat on his ass come Veterans Day. Those are the two things that people have bug up their bug up their ass about Russell Wilson about. Deshaun Watson, no one had a no one had anything negative to say about him prior to the sexual assault allegations. And if Patrick Mahomes even dared to insinuate that he goes through now, maybe with the media in Kansas City, media I can't speak on the media in Kansas City. Can maybe the way he gets treated, but way he gets treated and or talked to by some people within the KC media, I don't know that for a fact, but I give him the benefit of the doubt on that. KC media can't verify it, but I give him the benefit of the doubt. That's one issue. National media, whatever drugs Mahomes is doing, the NFL need to drug test him and make sure that it's that it's legal within their sport because if Mahomes thinks that he is somehow treated and his and somehow in his mind thinks that he's not treated fairly and not covered properly by members of the national media, he is surely he is sorely sadly mistaken. Remember the rant I came on here and did two years ago about how I'm sick and tired of the national media being essentially Patrick Mahomes' water boy. Have we forgotten that? Well, just, just because it isn't Mahomes, Mahomes, Mahomes every 45 seconds doesn't mean that, that the, the, you know, that the national media 
has uh, is out to get Patrick Mahomes. Because there are other good, great, talented quarterbacks in the league, hell, within the, a- within the AFC in his own damn division, than Patrick Mahomes. He isn't the end-all, be-all in the National Football League. So if he wants to count that as neg- as negligence and bad treatment, then I suggest Mahomes go see a therapist or something because he, because he because he sound he you know what he do, he does he sounds like he sounds like that that little kid that's all bent out of shape because their parents are giving much needed time and attention to the newly born sibling and it's like oh what about me how come I have no attention you guys must hate me I mean come on I mean come on. How many times I've gone on Twitter and came on this show and called in the Mad Dog and all sports talk radio programs and yelled and screamed from the heavens that Mahomes, that all that Mahomes gets too much love, that that everywhere you look, Romo Collinsworth, it's a it's Mahomes love fest, on national media, FS1, ESPN, NFL, it's it's a Mahomes love fest. I mean, do I have to play the call of me calling in the Russo back in January of 2021 with the with the Mahomes with the with uh, when I said that Tony Romo creamed in his pants over uh, Mahomes and the Chiefs uh, when they played a playoff game against uh, Cleveland a few years back? Do I have to, do I have to play it? Lamar, I get. Deshaun Watson, uh-uh, he's a creep. Russell Wilson, it's about his corniness and his inability to appear as an authentic, real relatable human being outside of the football field. Kyler Murray's not that good, and he doesn't study. And he said that publicly, and the and the Cardinals made that public in the new contract that they gave him with the language. So that's where that stems from. And Mahomes was essentially a god in the sports world for a year, year and a half, two years. Could do no wrong. If anything, he benefited with he he was in a better standing and, and uh was perceived in a better light in a, within the national media more than anything because he has that because he has that colorism uh, because he's got because he, he's got that 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 colorism stigma on his side. Light skin patch, light skin mixed patch Mahomes versus uh, versus uh, you know dark Lamar Jackson with the full with, with with the with the full lips. Mahomes light skin mixed kid skinny lips with the nice curly hair. Lamar Jackson, you know. Sometimes takes his helmet off, looking like he just got off the set of, uh, looking like he just got off the set of, uh, of, uh, of the Jeffersons. Roots would, would have been a better example, but you get the idea. But bottom line, if you're Kyle Murray, just he saves himself a whole lot of heartache and pain, and, and could have avoided all of this if you just swallow your pride. A, again, not be dumb enough to say it to the New York Times, but just swallow your pride and just study. Don't flip out on the media. Don't start casting blame and 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 lashing out. Just shut up and just do your damn job. 
Roquan Smith, Kareem Hunt requesting trades. We'll see what the Bears and the Browns do in the moments uh, in the as training camp is still young and fresh here in the month of August. We had a lot to discuss and a lot to talk about here on the Amtelectagus podcast. And I hope I provided that uh, sports talk podcast fix for you. If you're new to the program, like what you heard, please do not hesitate to subscribe. Follow your boy on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. Follow the show on Instagram at Amatel underscore podcast and the show on Twitter at Amatel underscore Italians. It's your boy Josh Shields. I'll talk to you in the next one. Y'all stay safe. Be blessed. Y'all take care. See you.